This presentation I've entitled Momentum. For a moment I want you to think that you're sitting on a roller coaster and the chain is pulling you up that first lift hill very slowly getting higher and higher and then all of a sudden you reach the top of that lift hill the chain disengages and you've just lost your momentum for a moment. You've almost sitting there still for a while taking in the sights and before you know it you're just heading down and then you're plummeting down the other side of the roller coaster. Now I want you to think where is your club on that roller coaster? Is your club getting higher and higher, slowly growing, slowly getting more effective and making more impact in the community? Or have you lost a bit of momentum? Are you just sitting at the top waiting for something to happen? Have you started heading down the other side of that roller coaster or are you well and truly plummeting down to the ground? This presentation is a little bit about trying to make your club more attractive and giving you some options as to where you need to go in the future. And a lot of those options will depend on your club's momentum. So I really want you to have a good think about where your club is at right now on that roller coaster. There's a big difference between recruitment and attraction. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, my favourite cartoon characters were the Roadrunner and Coyote. And I've actually got a great example using the Roadrunner and the Coyote of the different ways we bring people into Rotary. The first one is the attraction model. And you might remember that Coyote used to use the tactic of putting the free bird seed down in the middle of the road. And generally he was able to attract the Roadrunner in to nip away at that free bird seed. Invariably he stuffed up the next part of the equation. This is what we often do in Rotary. This is the recruitment model where we chase after people with a knife and fork. So when it comes to attracting people to Rotary, there's one basic thing you're going to have to do. You're going to have to have an attractive club. What I'm going to talk about now is my Rotary Club, the Rotary Club of Seaford, a club that I was instrumental in forming two and a half years ago. And it's a very different style of Rotary Club. It's very flexible. Uh, and we have been able to attract quite a lot of members to this club. We haven't deliberately gone out to recruit members at all. The basic motto of our Rotary Club is less meeting and more doing. At the Rotary Club of Seaford, we place an extremely high priority on hands-on volunteering opportunities. We are constantly looking for ways to keep our members active and give our club a high level of community exposure. The secret to engaging our members in so many projects comes down to our flexible meeting program, which frees up more time for members to contribute in more meaningful ways. We only meet twice a month. Our first meeting on the first Thursday night of the month. Our second meeting usually falls on the third Sunday afternoon of the month. But that Sunday meeting can be combined with or substituted for a service project. The wider variety of service projects and volunteering opportunities that you offer, the more chance you have of engaging every member and non-Rotarians too. And I just want to leave it at this slide at the moment because it's a really special picture for me. Uh, it was back in the early days of the club when we were working on a major project, which is our first big project to um, develop a community garden in consultation with a neighbouring primary school and childcare centre. Now in this photo on the left, you'll see who at the time was the oldest member of our club. He was Ian, age 72. And on the right, that's my son Aaron. At the time, he was aged 13. And I didn't really uh, appreciate it fully at the time I took this photo, but when I was scanning through photos a little bit later, I thought, how special is it to see two people working side by side at a Rotary Community Service Project with 60 years between them? I think it's really special when you can involve family members and bring a great big wide range of diverse people into your service projects. And I want to tell you a little bit of a story about how I got my son involved in this project. So my son had recently started high school at a private school in Adelaide 
And it was in about May that he came to my wife and I and said, Mum and Dad, I've got to get 15 hours of, serv- of community service up by the end of this semester. So that gave us about a month. Would have been nice to know that a little bit earlier. And I said to him, well, isn't it a good thing that your dad's a member of a hands-on, service-focused Rotary Club? And I can probably find quite a few ways that you can get those service hours up. So ordinarily, I'd probably have to drag him kicking and screaming to come along to serve on a Rotary project. But he now knows he's going to get those service hours up. And coming along and working alongside me at a Rotary project is a safe way to do it. So I know now that when I need some extra help on a project, if he's got community service hours, he's got to get up. Um, it's pretty simple. He'll come along and help out and get three or four hours up helping in a project. And I think it's great to have family members involved. So I just want to give you a really good tip here on how to get some younger people involved in Rotary and get some more community volunteers coming along to your events. I want you all to go out to your local high schools and ask the question, do you have community service obligations of your students? Now, some will say, yes, we do. Some won't. I don't know whether it's a state-by-state thing or a private versus public thing, but go and ask the question because you all have high schools in your backyards. And if they say yes, well, that's a great opportunity to say, hi, I'm Mark from the local Rotary Club. We've often got community service projects and we would love to have some extra volunteers. Uh, You're welcome to, the kids are welcome to bring their parents along or teachers or other staff from the school are welcome to come along as well. So it's a great way of, A, getting those extra volunteers, but B, showing Rotary in a different light to a wider range of people in the community. And you can even get your leg in the door with our youth programs such as RIPEN and RILAR and and, and maybe talk about some of those great youth programs that Rotary has to a new audience as well. So there's a great tip for you today. The next slide um, I want to show you is a picture of a paving project that we started in this garden. Um, we sold those um, engraved pavers, customised pavers that um, businesses and individuals paid $40 or whatever for a paver. Uh, and we sold about 100 or more of them in varying sizes and that's how we funded this path. Importantly what I want to show you is that this man here is the partner of a Rotarian. This young lady here is the daughter of a Rotarian, and it's a bit hard to see up the back there, but the young man there on the cement mixer, he's the son of a Rotarian. And so I move on to the next slide. We have here the wife of a Rotarian, we have the neighbor of a Rotarian. A lot of people coming along and participating in a community service project that aren't Rotarians. And while I'm on this slide, I just want to tell you a story about this lady here. This lady's name is Sandra. She's a good friend of mine. She's about my age, and we've been friends since we're about 16 or 17, so that's close to 35 years. The two of us went through Rotaract together. We had a great time in Rotaract, and I eventually joined my sponsoring Rotary Club, the Rotary Club of Edwardstown, which sponsored the Rotaract Club of Edwardstown. Um, Sandra, however, never did get into Rotary. Now, as a rotor actor, she understood the value proposition of rotary. She knew what rotary was like. She, as a rotor actor, had come along to plenty of rotary events and functions, that sort of thing. So she did know what rotary was like. In fact, my former rotary club even sponsored her daughter on National Youth Science Forum. So she did actually have a reason to want to give back to rotary. But she's a very busy career woman, and she just kept saying, I'm just too busy, I don't have the time to commit. But I did try and get her into rotary for about 19 years. However... When I decided I was going to start the Rotary Club of Seaford, and I mentioned to her that this is going to be a a club that's focused on community service, getting out there and doing service projects, we're only going to be meeting twice a month, not once a week, we're not going to be obsessed with meetings, it's going to be a great fun club to be a part of, she immediately signed on the bottom line. 
Why am I telling you this? Well, I believe in your community there are hundreds, potentially thousands of people who are just right for Rotary, but the trick is you've got to be offering them the right version of Rotary. So I'm very focused on clubs having plenty of hands-on service projects uh, that they can provide for their members. But I often hear back from clubs, they say our membership base is too old for hands-on projects. They've sort of painted themselves into a corner. But I actually think they're looking at things from the wrong angle. I would actually tell people that hands-on projects attract younger members. So rather than thinking our membership base is now too old for service projects, I want you to think that we need to be doing plenty of hands-on projects so our membership base doesn't get too old. The other thing I think is really important when you do these projects is to maintain a high level of rotary exposure and use uh, rotary um, promotional inventory when you're out there on your events. My district, as I'm sure does yours, has a repository of rotary flags and banners that clubs can borrow. And I'd really encourage you to make sure when you've got these big public events and working bees that you have great promotional assets at these events so people know that it is the local Rotary Club that's doing work at these programs, not some work for the Dole program or prisoners out on prisoner release for the day doing community service. They know that it's the Rotary Club of Seaford or whatever your club is doing these projects. So wave the flags and be really proud about it. This is a little A-frame sign that we had made up uh, that we take to every single event, and there's a picture there of what it says on the reverse side. The image you're seeing at the moment is the community garden in the very early days. But we take that little A-frame sign everywhere we go. When we're working on service projects, uh, whether we're meeting at a hotel or someone's home, we put that little sign out the front so that they know that Rotary is here. Uh, even the Bunnings barbecues and fundraisers, that sort of thing, we make sure that sign goes with us wherever we are. You can see in this image we've got a fabulous 6x3 marquee with Rotary signage clearly marked on the top. You can see from a long, long way away, Rotary Club of Seaford. And if you look closely... Uh, you can also see um, a Rotary-branded tablecloth there on the table. Very keen to get our message out and, again, tell them that the Rotary Club of Seaford is alive in their community. This is a sign we've recently had made. It's probably about two and a half metres wide by about a metre high. And, of course, we haven't got pictures of Rotarians sitting around at meetings on there. We've got pictures of Rotarians active in their community. It really does set the standard when we're out at events that people can see what Rotary is all about and they can see that we're out there having fun and working hard in our community. We've had especially designed Rotary polo shirts for our club. Um, our Rotary Club of Seaford is in a seaside location. We deliberately decided that we wanted T-shirts to have a bit of a coastal seaside theme. So we've had these sublimated shirts made especially for our club. And there's a big Rotary wheel on the back. But we, we wear these T-shirts with pride and everyone knows that it's the Rotary Club of Seaford working at these events. We've also got customised um, barbecue aprons for when we're doing catering events and we wear those as well. So what I want to do now, I've been asked to speak specifically about attracting younger audience to Rotary, and I'm going to give you my top 10 tips to attract, recruit, engage, and retain a younger membership base. So I'm just going to whiz through these now. Okay, tip number one. The first place to look is right under your nose. I want you to think about all of those young people you've sent away on Rotary's various youth programs, perhaps over the last 10 years or so. There's a lot of them listed on this page your club maybe doesn't participate in all of them, but I'm sure all clubs do some of these projects. So we interview these young people, we send them on often life-changing uh, weekends and events, we get them to come back and talk to our club about how their experience went, and then what do we do? Well, sadly, we often wave them off as they ride off into the sunset, never to be heard again. I think that's a travesty, and I think it's really important 
that we keep our warm contacts warm. So understand these are people who've been positively affected about Rotary. They already know what great value proposition we offer. I think it's important to put them on our mailing list, not after they've been to Ryler or IPEN or MYSF or whatever event they've been to, but when we first interview them, put them on our mailing list. Uh, ask them if they like our club Facebook page. Invite them to special events such as our changeover dinners and Christmas dinners. You, your club might decide to hold a dedicated alumni night where you get people back that your club has sponsored on various events to talk about their experience and where they're at in life now, maybe five years after that event. And of course, you can ask them to help at service projects and volunteer at events. It's really important that you build a relationship with people before you ask them to join. And I've heard a lot of younger people who've been on these Rotary events and they get pressured into joining Rotary straight away. It's not like that. You've got to really court them first and build a relationship before you ask them to, to marry you sort of thing. Okay, tip number two, you need to offer a broad range of volunteering opportunities. Now, this is something that I covered earlier in my presentations, but I think it's really important that you have a lot of uh, variety of hands-on projects because younger people will engage with these things much more likely than they're likely to engage with coming along to meetings. Tip number three, this is a really important one. You have to be easy to find and understand online. Appreciate this, that if your club does not have a good online presence, you might as well be invisible to anyone under 50. Really important to have a strong online presence. And I want to offer you all a challenge today. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask someone young, say under 40, a friend, a relative, preferably someone who doesn't really know too much about Rotary, to get online and see how easy it is to, one, find your club online, two, discover your club's service priorities, three, a reason to get involved, four, how to get involved, and five, contact details. And I would suggest you ask them to do it in front of you on the spot, on their smartphone, on their iPad, on their PC, and I'm telling you, if they haven't found out all the information about your club in less than 15 seconds, you've got a problem. You really need to address that. And here's what I suggest is really important to go on your club website. You'll get lots of stories about what should go on websites. This is really important for what goes on the landing page, the first page that people see when they first land on your website. The things that are important are your club's service priorities. What's important to your club? A reason to get involved with Rotary and your club. How to get involved with your club and, quite simply, contact details. They're the four really important things that need to go on the home page or the landing page of your website. And of course, some bright, colourful photos uh, and imagery of what your club's been up to are really important as well. Just another quick tip. I'm sure a lot of you may have a join us or a become a member button somewhere on your website. I would suggest straight away you need to get rid of those and instead replace it simply with a volunteer button. It might sound very simple, like it's just a change of words, but really, a join us or a become a member button could be a little bit daunting. It might be asking people to take a step a little bit further than they really want to. But if you put the volunteer button on there that leads to a page with examples of your service projects and, and the, the sort of work that you're looking for volunteers to help you out on, um, it's, a less, it's a less compelling, it's a less daunting way of uh, getting people into your club. And I think you should really try that. It's very simple, just a change of words. Give it a try. Okay, tip number four, go where the young people are. If you're wondering why young people aren't coming to Rotary, 
maybe you need to turn the tables and in fact take rotary and some information to where the young people are. There's a great big list of opportunities on this page. I'm not going to read them all out. Um, but if all else fails, go to the bottom one. Ask your kids or grandkids for ideas. Where's a great place that young people are hanging out that we could go that would be conducive to putting in some rotary information? And maybe having a stand and people talking about rotary youth programs, that sort of thing. Take rotary to the young people because maybe they're not going to come to you. Tip number five, this is another really important one. You have to listen. We often say how important it is to try and get young people and a new perspective into Rotary, but often what we do is this. When we hear these new ideas, we don't want to listen to them because that's not the way we've always done it or that's maybe a bit too radical for our club. It's no use trying to get new and diverse opinions into your club if you're just not going to listen to them. Tip number six, show them the big picture. What do I mean by this? Well, unfortunately, I feel a lot of Rotarians get very stuck in the little cocoon that is clubland, and they really don't experience much of the big wide Rotary world. But when it comes to trying to get young people engaged in the organisation, chances are they're not going to be satisfied solely by what your club can offer. So I think it's really important to show them the big Rotary picture. What do I mean by that? Well, get them invited along to district events like your district conference and your various district training days and fundraisers. Um, Take them along to neighbouring clubs who are having events or fundraisers or projects and get them to help out there. Make sure they're aware of events like international conventions and that sort of thing so they can really see the big picture of Rotary International. Maybe they'd like to join one of Rotary's action groups and get involved in service overseas or go volunteering somewhere. But try and avoid that trap of getting them stuck in the little cocoon that is clubland because they're probably not going to settle for that and they really want to see a lot more of what Rotary has to offer. And trust me, Rotary does offer a lot more at district and zone and international level uh, to, to whet people's appetite and to, to show them that great big world of Rotary International. Tip number seven, you've got to ask them about what they're passionate about and be prepared that maybe their pet causes or something they're interested in may not align with the current projects of your club and its activities. So this is about being prepared to listen as well. If you're going to ask them about what they're passionate about, you need to also be prepared maybe to go down that direction and help them out um, with that project and let Rotary be an avenue for them um, serving their pet causes. Tip number eight, another really important one, you've got to be able to manage conflict. Now, sadly, conflict seems to exist in most clubs. A lot of Rotarians don't leave the egos at the door. People have been stuck in their own roles for quite some time. They're stuck in their ways. They don't like change. And occasionally conflict is going to happen in an organisation with a lot of diverse perspectives. But you've got to be prepared to nip these things in the bud if they get it before they get out of hand and not let your molehills turn into mountains. A lot of younger people are coming from a professional background where there are uh, professional uh, conflict resolution techniques employed uh, where they work and they come to a Rotary Club where it doesn't work that way and they're going to look at quarrels and conflict and say look I didn't sign up for this and they're going to be straight out the door. Be really professional and quick to nip these things in the bud. You've got to be able to manage conflict or you're going to really turn off a lot of young people. Speaking of turn-offs you've got to avoid turn-offs. So I'm going to give you a few examples here of the sorts of things that often turn off younger people. It's some of those old rituals and traditions and ringing bells and passing around funny looking boxes and wearing collars and banners and the trappings of office, toasting the queen, eating chicken schnitzels and listening to boring speakers. Some of these things which we've become used to and really comfortable with in Rotary 
are really not attractive to a younger audience and they're going to be looking for a bit more flexibility and perhaps a little less formality in the way they do things. Also, please be aware that words have power and some of the things we used to be able to get away with 10, 20, 30 years ago, colourful jokes, racist and sexist comments, we really can't get away with those things anymore. The world has changed and we need to change our words to match them as we can very much frighten young people away with the wrong sort of language. Please be really careful about that. And the last one is about making meetings productive. If we are going to force people to come along to meetings, we need to put some work and effort into making those meetings productive so they feel that they're actually using their time effectively. We talked about this heavily in the first presentation, so I won't go into a lot more detail here, but um, if you've got meetings where you're actually achieving something and it's not just a meeting for the sake of a meeting, I think you're more likely to get younger people engaged. What I'm now going to do is give you four options about where you can go from here. And just bear in mind the opening slide about where your club was on that roller coaster. How's the momentum of your club? Is it heading upwards or has you lost momentum or are you thundering down the other side of the roller coaster? Well, that will depend, I guess, on where you want to go from here. But I want to give you some typical options you might take. Option number one is the makeover. It's about putting in some processes that make your club a little bit more attractive, uh, make it more welcoming. And we've already gone through some of those techniques. Uh, maybe it's about making meetings a bit more flexible, not so stuffy and formal. So try and get a few changes through your club, implement a few ideas, and ask them what they think and, and how they think it might improve the club outcome. I think the makeover is a great way to start. The way you need to do that is to start with an honest um, assessment of where the club is at right now at this point of time and work out where you want to be and simply plot a path from one to the other. And I'd also recommend that sometime you might need to get people from outside the club, some uh, objective observers or district helpers to help you along that process. And there are some great rotary resources to um, plotting improvement and doing SWOT analysis, that type of thing in the club. The makeover is a great way of rejuvenating a club that's starting to get a little bit stale. One of the problems with trying to do the makeover and improve what's going on in clubs is, of course, baggage. And you can see a lot of baggage in this, people, in this picture right now. A lot of people, as I mentioned before, they've been stuck doing things the same way for a long time. They don't want to change. They're used to a certain way of doing things. Uh, and I'll show you later what you can do when you don't have so much baggage to deal with. Right here, the option two is start a new club. That's what I did a few years ago when I started the Rotary Club of Seaford. Uh, it was one of the highlights of my life when we chartered that club. It was hard work, um, but it's amazing what we've been able to achieve in two and a half years. There are new clubs chartering quite frequently around Australia. The image here is the Rotary Club of Wyndham Harbour, which chartered uh, in about March or April it was um, this year, which is 2019. And in that image, you can see the board members uh, and look at the diversity on show. Um, males and females, old and young, all different colours of the rainbow. What a great new option for Rotary in that region has been opened up by chartering a new club. It's hard work, but it is possible. But here's what you need. You need a baggage-free zone. A baggage-free zone is great for getting new ideas off the ground. You're not relying on doing things the old way. You've got no one chipping in to say you can't do that. This is the way we've always done it. You cannot put a value on the baggage-free zone. That's something that really helped us at Seaford. We were free to try new things without anyone um, you know, distrusting our efforts and saying this isn't going to work. 
It's amazing what you can achieve with a blank, achieve with a blank slate. And I really think one of the best ways of growing this organisation is through new clubs. I want to tell you a little bit of a story about uh, a town called Lamaru. Now, I suspect many of you here have never heard of Lamaru. And there's a little map here. Lamaru sits 200 kilometres due east of Adelaide. It's about a two-hour drive, almost all the way out to the Victorian border. Now, there's not a lot at Lamaru, and there's not a lot of people. It's got a population of about 850. And as you can see on that sign, uh, it's had rotary involvement there. Now, sadly, in 2014, the Rotary Club of Lamaru decided to hand in their charter. At the time, I was part of our district leadership group, and I was in on the discussions when we first found out about this from their assistant governor. Um, but we were told this is going to happen. Uh, a proud club that lasted for 40 years decided they had to hand in their charter. They had single-digit membership for probably at least 10 years, all of those members in their 80s. Now, us um, experts, I suppose you'd call us sitting around the table, all sort of came up with these excuses such as, you know, this is about regional economic factors. This is about small, isolated town. A lot of young people having to move away for their tertiary education or for employment. That town was very much affected by the drought of the first decade. Uh, a lot of farmers had to go off the land. So we sort of thought, well, given the regional economic factors, this community could no longer support a service club. And that was the, I guess, the excuse that us experts in the field came up with. But then something really interesting happened. About 18 months later, we found out that Lions International had gone into that town and started a brand new club with 36 members. So all of a sudden, we realised that maybe we were wrong when we were saying this, commun this community could no longer support a service club. What we should have instead realised that the style of service Rotary was offering was no longer attractive to this community. So I've just mentioned the option of starting a new Rotary Club, and I suspect many of you may be from small or isolated communities, and you're thinking, that's just not possible, we don't have the numbers here. Well, if you've got 850 people in your town, as I've shown by the Lions example, it is possible to start a new service club in your community. Why not make it a Rotary Club? It is possible. Okay, let's have a look at option three, which is probably a little bit easier than starting a new club, and that's starting a satellite club. What's involved with starting a satellite club? Well, you can begin with as few as eight members, and they are inducted as full Rotarians of your existing club. But maybe it's about a younger group of members that aren't really fitting in with the ways that the older members want to run the club, uh, but you want to retain their services and get them involved with Rotary. A satellite club often has separate meeting times, meets at a different venue, different meeting frequency, style and purpose to the parent club, which is guiding that club but not controlling that club. It's sort of under the umbrella of your existing club, but it operates like a club within a club. They have their autonomy to run their own projects, events and fundraisers, and of course uh, can partner with the parent club as well. And ideally, they want to aspire to reach 20 and charter in their own right. But it is hard finding those initial 20 members to charter a club, and this may be a way of doing that uh, without having to start from 20. You can start safely with as few as eight members in a satellite club. So that's something to think about. And what I want to finally leave you with today is option four. And I'm sad to admit it, but I think this is probably the most popular option that clubs do from here on. Do nothing. I've actually spoken at a lot of training events over the years, and in fact, in my own district, spoke at five pets in a row. 
So I would speak to the presidents-elect who were going into their year and we'd fire them all up and they're about to make all these changes. And then 12 months later, I'd speak at the same event but with the next group of presidents-elect. And really nothing had changed over those last 12 months despite the collective fire in the bellies of those would-be leaders. Nothing actually happened. Um, the will just wasn't there and they decided to do nothing. So instead, what I want to do is take this option off the table. Let's go back to those former three options, but let's leave doing nothing off the table as an option. Well, thanks very much for spending your time to watch these presentations. I hope you've enjoyed them. We've got a few ideas about how to fire up membership initiatives in your club. If you're looking for a few more ideas, I'd really like to recommend my book, Creatures of Habit. Uh, it's all of my great tips and tricks from my time in membership from three years of being a district membership chair and also my experience of starting the Rotary Club of Seaford from scratch. Uh, that entire experience is documented in this book. It's $24.90 and it's available from my website, sfzpublishing.net. I hope to hear from you soon. Thanks again.